We are one of few cancer centers uh, and multidisciplinary teams around the country that um, specialize specifically in treating patients with adrenal cancer. This is the James Cancer Free World podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Dr. Barbara Miller. Barbara is a surgical oncologist, and one of her specialties is treating patients with adrenal cancer. And she is the co-director of the James Multidisciplinary Adrenal Clinic, along with Dr. Lawrence Kirshner. Adrenal cancer is very rare, and the James Multidisciplinary Adrenal Clinic is a leader in treating this type of cancer. Welcome, Barbara. Thanks, Steve. It's nice to be here. You know, I thought it would be a good place to start at the beginning with some basic geographic anatomy. Where in the body are the adrenal glands and, and what do they do? Sure. So the adrenal glands, um, many people are not aware that they even have them. Um, but they are two paired organs that sit just above the kidneys on each side, um, and they're yellow in color. Um, they sit behind the liver uh, on the right side, and then they sit behind the stomach, the pancreas, and the spleen on the left side. And their job is to produce a number of different hormones, which hormones are helpers in the body. They help all the other organ systems work correctly and they help communicate messages um, to make other substances and products. So the adrenal glands produce aldosterone, uh, which regulates sodium and potassium in the bloodstream, uh, as well as the amount of fluid in the body and also um, affects blood pressure. The other hormone uh, that it produces um, is cortisol. Uh, cortisol is a helper that's a steroid. We hear about that during the pandemic uh, as we give steroids to decrease inflammation in the lungs. Um, cortisol in excess can do very bad things to the body. It affects muscle mass and integrity. It changes the fat distribution in the body. It affects blood sugar. It affects blood pressure uh, and a number of other things. Um, the adrenal glands also produce testosterone uh, or androgens and estrogens, which are sex hormones. Uh, and then in the center of the adrenal gland, the adrenal gland produces adrenaline, epinephrine and norepinephrine, and that has to do with the fight or flight response. But there are other places elsewhere in the body that produce adrenaline as well. So it sounds like it's pretty important. It's not like, um, you know, I don't know what's a tonsil. Uh, well, everything we have in our body is important, except maybe the appendix. Uh, there are certain things that we can do without, but yeah, the adrenal glands are very important. Uh, and as I said, they're, they're helpers. Um, we have two of them. Uh, things can work okay if you have at least one adrenal gland. Um, but in patients who, who don't have any adrenal function, which is called adrenal insufficiency or Addison's disease, uh, then we actually have to replace some of those hormones. Um, otherwise, you can have serious uh, effects on, on your health. And some patients who don't have any cortisol at all um, can actually die from that. So it is very it can be very dangerous, but we do have medications to replace the hormones that the adrenals produce. So Addison's disease and some other disease diseases are things that can impact the adrenal glands, which leads us to something else that can impact it, cancer. Now, from what I understand, it's pretty rare. So how rare is it and how does it affect the adrenal glands? Does it affect both of them or just one of them? Does it 
metastasize to nearby organs, and that creates even more problems. So adrenal cancer is very rare. It affects about one to two per million in the population. So every year, um, there may be only several hundred people across the entire country who develop adrenal cancer. Um, and it usually affects uh, one adrenal gland, grows from within one adrenal gland, uh, starting with one single cell, and then that cell multiplies just like other cancers. Um, occasionally, it can involve both adrenal glands, um, but most of the time, um, it's difficult to detect. And um, so these masses, these cancers can grow to a very large uh, size before we actually detect them because there's not a lot of nerves back in that area that uh, lead to, to uh, pain or um, other localized symptoms or fullness or something like that. Um, some adrenal cancers, uh, maybe about 40% of them, will produce hormones uh, in excess. And so sometimes we pick up uh, the presence of a possible adrenal cancer just based on the hormone excess uh, and the side effects of those hormones that I mentioned before. Um, adrenal cancer, because often it grows to a large size, uh, before we find it, um, it often is associated with metastatic disease where that tumor has, those tumor cells have traveled to other areas in, in the body. You mentioned si um, side effects from the hormones. What, what would they be? Right. So, um, like I said, pain is usually not how patients um, initially present. Um, uh, often we will find these incidentally on CT scans that are done for other reasons, um, sometimes for abdominal pain elsewhere in the abdomen, uh, where it's not the adrenal cancer that's producing uh, the symptoms that patients are having. But if it's hormone excess that we're talking about leading us to um, try to understand why somebody's having certain signs and symptoms, um, then uh, those, those signs can include high blood pressure, worsening diabetes, weight gain, uh, signs of what we call Cushing syndrome. Cushing syndrome is from cortisol excess and cortisol is the most commonly produced um, hormone in excess in adrenal cancer. Uh, along with uh, testosterone is the other one that we commonly see. Um, but many of these symptoms are very um, similar to much more common problems like high blood pressure and diabetes. And adrenal cancer is not the first thing that a primary care physician is going to think about because it's so rare. Hypertension, diabetes are extremely common. So um, sorting out why somebody has worsening hypertension and why somebody has worsening diabetes or weight gain um, can be a prolonged process and that also delays diagnosis of adrenal cancer. Yeah, and as you were saying that, I'm thinking the vast majority of primary care physicians have never had someone with adrenal cancer. They don't even, they're just not familiar with it. Right, so um, that's exactly correct. Um, most physicians will not ever see a case of adrenal cancer. Um, and um, so that does lead to some difficulties for patients in terms of finding um, physicians who really are experts in taking care of this disease. So this is a, um, why it's so important that uh, we have centers of excellence around the country uh, and access for patients to providers who really understand this disease because it is a difficult disease uh, and difficult cancer to, to treat and manage. 
And so does this mean that by the time a patient gets to you, to your multidisciplinary adrenal clinic, they may be fairly far advanced in their cancer because it's taken so long to get diagnosed and to get to you. So we do see that in some cases, but the good news is that um, over the last 20 years or so, uh, there has been increased recognition of adrenal cancer, um, along with the fact that we're doing so many CT scans for other reasons that we're picking these up much sooner than we used to. And so we're seeing patients at earlier stages in their cancer, at stage one, two, uh, or three, rather than um, where we were seeing most patients when they presented with stage four disease. So the outcomes from adrenal cancer have improved over the years um, because of earlier detection, but we do still see um, a fair number of patients who were found late in the disease process, again, because it's hard to pick this up. And a lot of times when we see patients who present and we go back through their histories and their stories of kind of how they started to develop some of these signs and symptoms, we said, yeah, the signs and symptoms were there, but we can't blame the primary care physicians or the, um, the internal medicine doctors um, for um, delaying the diagnosis because again, hypertension, diabetes, and those common signs are so um, frequent that um, you know, we, we don't expect that they would jump right to adrenal cancer. And, and hypertension and diabetes would not I think would not be something you'd get a CT CT scan for. You're yeah, you're correct about that. So that delays it a little further until finally they say it's not this, it's not that. Let's just take a CT scan to see what's going on, and that's when they hopefully will detect it. Yeah, in a lot of these cases, um, patients see their primary care physicians, and if hypertension becomes difficult to treat, then they may send patients on to. Um, a, a specialist um, or someone who specializes in difficult to treat hypertension that can be a cardiologist, that can be a nephrologist or kidney doctor, that can be um, a, uh, an endocrinologist. And especially if patients are having uh, diabetes that's more difficult to treat, then usually they're seeing the endocrinologist. And the endocrinologist being familiar with uh, diabetes and adrenal disorders uh, may start to think about an adrenal issue. Yeah, that was a great overview, and we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about treatments. In today's world, misinformation abounds, but at the Ohio State Health and Discovery website, we're addressing today's most relevant health, wellness, science, and research topics, all from the Ohio State experts you can trust. We're tapping into physicians, scientists, and thought leaders across our medical center and health sciences colleges to give you the deeper story behind the headlines and the truth about the topics affecting the health of individuals, society, and the world. Visit health.osu.edu today. We're back with Dr. Barbara Miller. Uh, the um, co-director of the James Multidisciplinary Adrenal Clinic. And Barbara, you gave us a great overview of what adrenal cancer is, but now let's go to the next step and talk about treatments and then the multidisciplinary clinic that you help lead. Sure. Sounds great, Steve. So everything's done um, individualized to the patient. 
um, as to where they, what stage they present at, um, and what hormones they may be producing. Um, but the mainstay of treatment for adrenal cancer is surgery. Um, and um, we have to determine, um, based on the imaging studies that we have, one, are we dealing with just a single tumor in the adrenal gland? Um, has that tumor spread to other nearby organs, which most commonly that would be the kidney. Um, on the right side, sometimes the adrenal cancers can invade into the liver that overlies them. On the left side, it can involve the spleen or the pancreas um, that overlies the adrenal gland. And, uh, and then we have to look in, and see, um, based on CT scans, uh, if we think we're dealing with something that is an adrenal cancer, usually we'll get a chest CT scan um, to look and see if there's evidence of metastatic disease elsewhere. If patients present with metastatic disease or what we call stage four disease, um, then in most cases, we'll uh, recommend that the patients pursue chemotherapy first. And that doesn't mean that surgery is ruled out um, for down the road. Um, but what we want to do is we want to understand, um, one, will the tumor respond to chemotherapy? Two, what is the tempo of disease and how quickly are these uh, is this main tumor growing and are the, is the metastatic disease growing? Um, because that tells us whether or not resection of the primary tumor is going to be um, uh, advantageous. Um, if we find that there's no evidence of metastatic disease, then usually we'll um, perform adrenalectomy with or without resection of additional surrounding organs. Um, and the way that that surgery is done is extremely important. Um, this tumor is um, uh, very fragile um, and uh, can grow through the um, capsule of the tumor, the covering of the tumor into surrounding organs. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to rub against this tumor. We don't want to spread those cells elsewhere in the abdomen uh, because that tumor has a very high likelihood of coming back in the abdomen. Um, and we don't want to see that. Um, so we've developed over the years um, some techniques and some recommendations and actually we're just coming out with the first recommendations specifically for adrenal cancer through the american college of surgeons which is a group that i lead for lead which is a group that i lead for operative standards in cancer surgery and basically what we say is that we want to resect not just the tumor but also the surrounding fat uh, and any organs that are invaded by the tumor and a lot of surgeons don't um, treat adrenal cancer very frequently, so they're unaware of the tumor biology and the aggressiveness of the disease and um, really the, the fine details of what it takes to get these tumors out um, in the correct way to minimize any sort of recurrence in the abdomen. Um, that best approach is usually an open approach. There's been a debate over the last 10 years about doing minimally invasive surgery for these versus traditional open surgery that requires a larger incision. Um, but it's agreed upon by um, those of us who are experts around the country in this group involved over 20 surgical oncologists, endocrinologists, endocrine surgeons, pathologists, um, and uh, urologists. And so really we came together with a consensus and still feel that an open approach uh, is the best uh, from a cancer management standpoint. Um, so many patients like the uh, minimally invasive surgery, um, but for this it's not optimal. Um, so once surgery is done, um, patients recover, uh, and then we take a look at the pathology and we have to determine um, if other treatment is warranted. And that's based on um, how quickly the tumor is uh, dividing and multiplying, 
um, based on what we call tumor grade, um, whether or not the tumor is spread through small blood vessels or um, through the lymphatic system to lymph nodes. Those are things that would indicate that potentially we would um, recommend starting uh, an additional treatment. And um, many patients will um, search the internet and they'll come upon a, a medication or drug called mitotane. Uh, mitotane is actually a derivative of the insecticide DDT. Uh, and it is um, the only approved uh, medication to treat adrenal cancer, which sounds um, really, um, I guess, interesting or archaic maybe that this goes back to the 1960s and 70s when that was discovered, but that remains the only drug specific to treat adrenal cancer. Um, so in patients who are at high risk based on some of those pathology features uh, that we learn after surgery, um, sometimes we'll start those patients on mitotain about six or eight weeks after surgery. So is that an actual chemotherapy drug or is it something different? Yeah, it's not really chemotherapy. Um, it's, it's more just a specific medication that targets the adrenal gland. So it does two things. One, um, it actually um, impedes the production of cortisol. Not all patients with adrenal cancer produce excess cortisol, but that's one of the things it does. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing that it does is that it's called an adrenolytic agent. Basically, it kills off adrenal cells. Um, and so that's what we like about it. Um, but at the same time, because it is um, not only um, impeding the production of cortisol and killing off, um, hopefully, adrenal cancer cells uh, that, remain, or that may remain, um, we also have to actually give patients steroids and replace their steroids because of the side effects of that medication. So there is chemotherapy that we use in some patients um, that uh, is generally given to patients who have evidence of metastatic disease or disease that has recurred um, either in the abdomen or elsewhere. Um, and there are a couple regimens that are um, most common. Uh, one we start with called EDP, which is atopicide, doxorubicin, and cisplatin. That's a three-drug therapy. Um, and then there's uh, another regimen as well um, that is a second line. However, that one is not tolerated as well, and we've moved to um, treating patients many times uh, with immunotherapy agents. Okay, so you are. I want to go back to the surgery itself. And I had a couple questions is, are you generally removing the entire adrenal gland or just part of it that has the, that has the cancer cells in it? And how often do you have to remove both of them? And then how do you replace those functions? Right, so when we um, talk about adrenal cancer surgery, what we're doing is we're removing the entire gland. The tumor grows from within the gland, so it doesn't sit on top of it or off the side of it. It actually grows from within it. And so it's, it's very important that we remove the entire tumor, that we don't leave any uh, portions of tumor behind. Um, and so, like I was saying before, there is a surrounding fat pad um, that we also want to take and remove at the same time. And so any little tumor cells that may be invading from the tumor into that surrounding fat, hopefully we're getting around all of that disease uh, rather than cutting through it. We want to avoid cutting through any sort of tumor cells. And 
And, uh, and you said that if you have one adrenal gland, you, a person can function, but what if you have to remove both of them? If we have to remove both of them, uh, then we know up front that we need to give uh, replacement steroids. Uh, and that's usually something called hydrocortisone. There are a number of different steroids out there, but hydrocortisone is the uh, generic drug. Uh, and that is uh, what's commonly replaced. That's usually taken twice a day. Um, and then we also use a medication called fludrocortisone that replaces um, the function of aldosterone so that the sodium and potassium are, are regulated appropriately. Uh, in patients who are producing excess cortisol at the time of surgery, uh, that is something that those patients, um, even if we don't remove the other adrenal gland, uh, assuming that's normal, um, those patients actually need to be uh, placed on hydrocortisone as well uh, many times because when you're producing excess cortisol in one gland, the production of cortisol from the other gland shuts down. It doesn't need to work. Um, and so temporarily we have to replace steroids until the function of that other gland returns. So you and Dr. Kirshner lead the James Multidisciplinary Adrenal Clinic. I'm, I'm guessing based on the few number of cases diagnosed every year, that you're one of the very, very few and that your expertise is such that you gather people from Ohio and well beyond. So when someone comes to the multidisciplinary clinic, what, what happens? What do they find there? Right. So we are one of few cancer centers uh, and multidisciplinary teams around the country that um, specialize specifically in treating patients with adrenal cancer. Again, it's a very rare disease, and so um, finding uh, clinicians and, and uh, other team members who have expertise in adrenal cancer uh, can be difficult. And so when we started this multidisciplinary uh, comprehensive adrenal program, uh, we were very selective um, about um, recruiting others uh, to be part of that team. And so our team now consists of over 30 members from uh, different specialties, uh, as well as support services. Um, and that includes endocrinologists, endocrine surgeons, surgical oncologists, um, radiologists, pathologists. We have a licensed genetic counselor uh, because uh, a certain percentage of these tumors uh, will be driven by a genetic mutation. And so it's important that all patients with adrenal cancer uh, be evaluated uh, for evidence of their tumor being driven by a genetic mutation. Um, we also have, we also work um, closely with radiation oncologists uh, and um, uh, serve our survivorship clinic here at the James uh, is an important part of, uh, of our team and uh, social workers and other support personnel. So you really need a large comprehensive cancer center and hospital in order to have all these experts in place. Yeah, it really is important to have a uh, large multidisciplinary um, uh, team uh, so that we can provide the necessary care to each patient in a very individualized fashion. So we actually have a multidisciplinary tumor board that runs every week. Uh, where uh, many of us from within the team will get together and we will discuss uh, cases uh, and uh, patients and come up with 
various plans for, for each person. Um, and everyone coming from a different specialty has a slightly different viewpoint. And so we try to come up with the best plan for, for each patient, depending on uh, their particular uh, disease process and where they are at in that um, uh, disease course. That's the no routine cancer philosophy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, because adrenal cancer is so rare, only a couple hundred cases a year, I'm guessing perhaps it doesn't get the exposure, which in turn leads to research dollars that more common cancers get. How do you uh, advocate for that? How, what is the situation in terms of, of research and, and, and finding improved treatments? You're exactly right. Uh, research for adrenal cancer is extremely underfunded, as is the case for probably all rare diseases. And uh, so when we're advocating for research funding for adrenal cancer, we're also advocating for research funding for rare diseases in general. Adrenal cancer would be considered from a number standpoint an ultra rare cancer. And um, so the government obviously is where we get much of our research funding and because they're looking at cancers that affect uh, more of the population, uh, we don't receive a lot of funding. So it's very important for us to um, think creatively uh, and uh, reach out and seek funding from uh, unique uh, donors and sponsors. Uh, we work closely with patient advocacy groups. Uh, ACC Warriors has been a big supporter of ours. Um, the National Adrenal Disease Foundation is also an important group that we work with. Other alliances like the Pheopara Alliance and the VHL Alliance uh, those are all partners of ours uh, because not only is adrenal cancer rare, but other benign uh, and other malignant adrenal tumors are also very rare. Um, so we are constantly searching for funding. Uh, Pelotonia is a big um, supporter, obviously, of the James, and so they are also key to our program's success to be able to continue um, uh, researching this very uh, rare disease. You know, it seems to me, I guess I, in, in theory, I understand why more dollars are going toward lung cancer and colorectal cancer because there's, you know, thousands more cases, but, you know, 200 people, still 200 people. But also, it also seems to me that some of the discoveries and research that you and other scientists make for adrenal cancer can have crossover effects to other cancers. So there's nothing is done in a silo and research in any type of cancer just increases the knowledge that helps with all types of cancer research. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, that's a great point to make. And um, that's also why it's so important to have a large multidisciplinary team, uh, because there is a lot of crossover between specialties, um, not only for patient care, um, but in the research world too. Um, I can say that, um, you know, we have an immunotherapy institute here at uh, the James, um, and they're doing some amazing research, and that touches uh, many different cancers. Um, we have actually found um, that um, uh, steroid production uh, is, um, can inhibit the response to immunotherapy. Um, and when you think about um, the adrenals, well, they produce steroids. And we found that patients who actually produce cortisol from their adrenal cancers do not respond to immunotherapy nearly as well. But then I also see patients who have lung cancer um, and other cancers that tend to go to the adrenal glands. And the metastatic disease that's in the adrenal glands sometimes 
um, will continue to grow um, when patients are treated with immunotherapy when all of the other tumor in the body uh, seems to be able to be uh, treated with immunotherapy or that we see response in tumor outside of the adrenal glands. So it's really kind of fascinating, but yeah, there's absolutely um, crossover and it's extremely important that all of us at the James and around the country and around the world work together. And so we actually have an adrenal alliance, it's called A5, the American Australian Asian Adrenal Alliance. And that is a network of um, clinicians and researchers who have expertise and interest in taking care of patients with adrenal disorders, adrenal cancer, uh, and um, performing research. Uh, on uh, various adrenal disorders. And so we're able to share experiences, um, look at outcomes, uh, and then also uh, share tissue samples uh, within the Alliance um, members uh, so that we can uh, drive, um, drive care forward and progress and really have learned a lot over the last probably 15 or 20 years. Um, so there is a lot of promise in the future and uh, we, are, we are making strides uh, in caring for patients with adrenal cancer. Well, thank you for sharing a lot of great information and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Soloff Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.